I am also kind of in that long play mindset or that long play game in which I am, you know, blogging about design and freelancing and doing these interviews and collaborations with other designers and putting out case studies on the previous projects I've done in in the mindset that, you know, if I do that for a couple of years, then eventually when people come and visit my site, they're going to see all this resource and all this sort of history of work that I've done and hopefully at least uh, see me as a professional designer. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. My name is Charlie. And I'm Femke. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about attracting the right kind of clients. And originally, we were going to call this episode Finding the Right Clients, but we purposefully decided to switch it up and rename it to Attracting the Right Clients. And I'm sure we'll be talking about why we decided to do that as we go throughout this episode. But first of all, how are you, Charlie? Have you had a good week? Yeah, I have had a good week, actually. I feel like I had a bit of a slow weekend, but, uh, you know, then Monday came around and I always like Mondays for some reason. Like I I used to feel the dread that, you know, most people do about Mondays, but now I sort of see them as a fresh start for the week and I always try my hardest to, you know, be productive on a Monday because I feel like it sets the right tone for the week. Mm -hmm. So it's been good. Also, it's February now and I think a couple of podcasts ago I talked about the fact that I was setting a goal for each month. So do you want to hear about February? Yeah, I'd love to hear about February's. Okay, so January's was about building a buffer for my video content so that I could, you know, be a few weeks ahead. And now I am planning on using that buffer potentially in February because I want to completely rejig my websites. So I want to have my portfolio and my blog and my store all accessible from the same place. I think this is something we've talked about before, Fem, and this is something I really want to get done this month. So I've got big plans and I've got a list, so it's time to get stuck into it. So at the moment, each of your side projects or each of your things are on different domains, right? Yeah, they're still going to be on different domains, but I'm going to align them more and make them all easily accessible from each other, if that makes Uh, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it can be hard, like, if you want to direct someone to a site that kind of, like, shows or explains what you do, then that's kind of hard if you've got, like, so many different sites. Exactly. So I need more of a landing page for my presence online in general. So that's my plan for this month. How, How have you been, though, in this past week? Yeah, yeah, I've been good. I've been catching up on things and progressing some client work, which has been really good. Awesome. Having been away for the month of January, things, you know, of course, slowed down for me because I was spending a lot of time in the air. So it's good to kind of, you know, be back and sit down and like really get the ball rolling on some things that I have been needing to work on for a little while. So it's been good. Very productive. That's good. How long do you think you spent in an airplane in January? Um... I don't I don't know how many hours but I think in the month of January I took about 7 flights which is Whoa. <laughs> quite a lot considering 4 of those were long haul so I probably spent like 50 or 60 hours at a quick guess yeah easily yeah wow. which is a lot of time <laughs> yes that's like a whole week of January productivity basically gone <laughs> 
Oh dear. <laughs> but you're making up for it now, so that's all good. Yes, I am trying my best to make up for it. <laughs> so, onto our topic for today, attracting the right clients. Why do you think it's important for clients to make the first move? Like, why do you think it's important to attract clients rather than go out and hunt them down? I think if you are finding the right client, in a way, you're sort of asking the client to do you the favour of being your client, if that makes sense. And I'm pretty sure the Sean West podcast touches on this in detail quite well in one of their episodes, which we'll link to. But basically, you know, if you are asking someone, can I be, you know, can you be my client or like, I really want to redo your website or whatever it is, then you're kind of setting off the relationship on this foot of like, do me the favor, like I want to do this thing for you. And then the, the sort of professional relationship you have is not as professional as it could be if, say, you attracted them and they came to you for the service that you provide. I think if, if you manage to attract a client towards you, obviously you have something to offer that they can't do themselves. And so that relationship is already on a good start of they need you, you can provide this value and this service to them and they like trust and you know, have confidence in you that you are good at what you do and you can provide that for them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have come to you in the first place. That makes total sense. I think you explained that really well. And I think it is also about how design is problem solving. So if a client isn't coming to you with a problem, if you're going to them and sort of asking them to invent a problem, there's not going to be as much need for it. So yeah, this is something that took me a long time to get, to be honest this idea of attracting the right kind of client rather than going out and, you know, cold emailing people. Not that I've ever really done that, but, you know, I thought that was just how it was done. And listening to the Sean Wes podcast, I think episode 146 is a good one that talks about this. So we will link to that down below. It really opened my eyes to this. And I know that you've put it in practice and it's been working well for you. So this should be a good episode, I think. So we also put out a poll on Twitter and we asked our Twitter followers, what's your approach to getting work? And we provided two answers, one being clients come to me and the other being I approach clients. And 73% answered clients come to me with the remaining 20% saying I approach clients. And I don't know about you, Charlie, but I was actually very pleasantly surprised at this result because I often find that most freelancers are the opposite they they try and approach clients like they're on these freelancing websites and they're sending out cold call emails to people that they want to work with or like doing mock-up redesigns for things so I was I was quite impressed with the results of this I was too and then it makes me think where were all these people back when I was getting first started with freelance (laughs) projects and you know learning about how it all worked yeah yeah (laughs) they were probably there I just wasn't looking for them hard enough (laughs) I think it's easy to notice the people who are trying to find clients and more difficult to notice the people that are trying to attract clients because I think the people who are trying to find clients are quite vocal, especially online. You know, they're always putting tweets out like, you know, oh, I'm available now or like you can see them purposefully sending like tweets to xyz person like saying oh you know I offer this service how would you be interested in a redesign or etc so it's quite obvious to see those whereas people who are attracting clients I mean 
that's a completely different strategy. And so you don't always notice it. I mean, for me, I notice it because I kind of know what to look out for and I kind of know the sort of strategy behind it. But I think other people don't necessarily notice it as much. I'd agree with that. And, you know, something funny is that I will often get you know, tweets from people being like, hey, if you need any design work done, then I'm available, yeah. you know, email this address. When I've tweeted about some sort of like, oh, having such problems with this website, yes. or, you know. And then I, it's just hilarious because it says quite clearly in my Twitter bio that I am a designer. So they're obviously just, you know, reaching out to anyone and everyone yeah. who mentions design. Yeah, exactly. I get that all the time too. And it's, yeah, I laugh as well because I'm like, well, I'm a designer myself and you know that if you actually looked at my Twitter bio before even sending your tweet. So there's definitely a lot of those people out there, especially on Twitter that are, and and then you go and check out their Twitter page and it's like the same tweet, like repeated and repeated. They're just like blasting it out, trying to find work. Yeah. Not a good look, is it? No. So how do you get the attention of the clients that you want? How does this, you know, attraction thing work? I think it comes down to a range of, of things and I'm not I don't want to imply that there's a right and a wrong way there's only the way that I know and the way that works well for me and for me that really comes down to how I position myself online so we've just talked about that in a recent episode and also the kind of value that I put into the kind of work that I do and you know what the client gets at the end or the value that that comes with that. And there's a few other things as well, like having a clearly defined niche and making sure that that's quite apparent, as well as I think just being a sort of thought leader for design and talking about it, blogging about it, sharing what you know, sharing your experiences and potentially teaching others as well. So I think it's kind of a whole combination of things. And it really does come down to, I think, of like the the positioning of yourself online. Also, we've had a few tweets in response to, you know, this conversation we've been having on Twitter about whether you should find clients or whether you should attract them. And Brent Galloway has said something really good that I want to bring in here. He said that it comes down to hyper-focused branding and content marketing and that it's a long game play, but it generates serious results when you stick with it. And I think that relates to what you were saying before, Fem, about you don't always immediately notice the people who are attracting clients rather than going out and finding them because they are, you know, chugging away, doing their thing, putting out consistent work, and eventually that brings clients in. Do you think that's right? Absolutely. And that's the sort of, I'm similar in Brent and I completely agree with what he says and I think it's great in that I am also kind of in that long play mindset or that long play game Mm. in which I am, you know, blogging about design and freelancing and doing these interviews and collaborations with other designers and putting out case studies on the previous projects I've done in in the mindset that, you know, if I do that for a couple of years, then eventually when people come and visit my site, they're going to see all this resource and all this sort of history of work that I've done and hopefully at least uh, see me as a professional designer. So that's kind of the long play mindset that I have. And I think Brent is doing really well on the content that he puts out as well. I think that people definitely see you as a professional designer fan when they look (laughs) at your site, for sure. Thanks, Charlie. 
it can be hard, right, to get into this long game mindset because especially when you're starting out and, you know, you're really desperate to build up your portfolio, you know, you really need to get some new work to put in it. Yeah. It, it can be tempting to, you know, just try and hunt down anyone who is in need of design work to try and get a project done for them. Whereas this long game, you know, content marketing, attracting clients, it does take a bit of time to build up your reputation and get the word of mouth out there. Actually, uh, Nathan replied to our tweet and said that word of mouth is the top way that he would get work and that if you clearly communicate what you do and then people will think of you when a design is needed. So it's just getting the content out there to get in people's minds so that when the time comes that they have a problem, you're who they think of. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? Like if you're someone that's constantly blogging or talking about design and putting up case studies and showing your work and your process then other people are going to look at you as a designer like that's that's a no-brainer so the more that you are showing your work and talking about what you do I think that completely increases the chance of people approaching you for design work. What would you recommend as a way to, you know, be able to talk about work and put it out there if you're not getting client projects yet? Do you reckon come up with some own briefs for yourself to to do work on and then get it out there? Yeah, I think so. And a good example of someone who did this is our friend Holly, who last year or maybe even the year before, she did a 100-day lettering series where each day she drew a letter of the alphabet maybe it wasn't 100 days because there's only 26 letters in there Uh, I can't remember (laughs) how many days it was but she did all of the letters of the alphabet I think and she posted it each day on Instagram and for her this was just like a personal project that she decided to do and I'm not quite sure if she was doing client work at the time or not but regardless of that it was a way for her to have something to keep putting out and showing her skill and her process and like these were really rough like pencil sketches these weren't fully vectorized you know hand lettering pieces of art they were just her showing her process and I think she's seen some really good benefits from that because it showed her putting stuff out it showed that she was capable of doing lettering and since then I think she has had a few you know, uh, logo briefs from clients in which she's done hand-lettered logos. So I think that's a really good example of something that you could do if you're not seeing the client work that you want right now. You know, just come up with a brief or a project or something that you could do that is in the space of the type of client work that you want to eventually be doing and just start putting out work. Even if it's just in-process stuff, it doesn't have to be finalized pieces of work. Just put out what you're doing. And I think that also helps with improving your own skills as well, you know, by setting yourself a brief and sticking to it and practicing every day. It's definitely going to help. I think that's what I'm intending on doing for trying to attract the type of clients that I want in the music industry to do sort of more, you know, music related briefs. I'm going to be putting out some more music related work. That's my plans. So music related work, like what does that look like? Because if I hear music related work and trying to think of how that relates to design. Can you give an insight? Well, I have an idea that I will share and I'm sure no one will steal it because all of our listeners are wonderful and, (laughs) you know, the idea is not that special anyway. (laughs) But I have an idea for a project that I want to do where I make album art for songs that I love that aren't singles, you know, that don't 
see much light of the day. They're not the special ones that, you know, the media or whatever always focuses on. And I want to, you know, imagine the album art for them, you know, with my own interpretations and things, perhaps do some lettering, just really explore because I haven't done a whole lot of that sort of design. I mostly do web design these days, so doing some more graphics-based stuff I think would be really fun. Yeah, that's cool. And I guess because the songs aren't singles, there's not like already artwork that's been done in the past that you could like base exactly. it off. Like it's a totally open brief. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's not a redesign or anything. It's, you know, me interpreting. And I think that will be the best way to do it to show how I can like, you know, take inspiration from something and put the graphics out there from it. Yeah, totally. How important do you think having case studies are when it comes to attracting clients? I think they're quite important, especially if uh, you haven't come, like the client hasn't come to you from a referral. If the client doesn't know much about you, perhaps they have just stumbled across you on the internet from, you know, your content marketing that you've been doing. Having case studies gives them an insight into your process that I think is really important because it's going to give them an idea of what it's going to be like to work with you. Do you think that's the point of a case study? Yeah, exactly. I think a case study is a great way of convincing a potential client from being not sure to sure or or confident at least. Yeah. Because quite often people only see like the end result, you know, and there's so much that goes in behind it, you know, all of the exploration and the entire process of getting to that end result that people don't necessarily see. So if you can show that in a case study and show your process and how detailed you are and you know, not just show screenshots, but talk about it as well, talk through the whole process, then a potential client is going to see that and, you know, realize that you you are a professional and you know what you're doing and you're you're coming at it with a critical design eye and mindset. And so I think it's a great way to show some of the work you've done in a more detailed way. Definitely. And it also just shows you as an authority on the subject, right? That yeah. it wasn't just luck that you happened to come across this amazing design. You know, a lot of work went into it and a lot of process and every decision was purposeful. So that, that will give them confidence in you on their brief. For our listeners, if you would like to see some examples of people that we know that are quite good at writing case studies, maybe we could link some of our favourites below, Charlie? Yes, that sounds like a great idea. So check out the show notes for that. They'll be on designlife.fm slash episode 13. Perfect. We actually had a few people in response to our tweets say that referrals is a big way that they get business. Is that something that you find too, Fem, in in your digital studio? I do get referral requests coming in, but they don't always like lead to actually taking on the work, you know? Interesting. I have read somewhere, and I'm probably going to get this number completely wrong, but I think it's somewhere around 48% of freelancers refer other freelancers. So I think it's something important to keep in mind that your peers as well can be a big influence on the type of clients you work with and, and who you position yourself around. So I have had referrals from friends come in, but I, I'm trying to think if any of them have actually led to the project. and. Not, I don't think any of them have in the last year or so, but I, I definitely do get them coming through. Isn't it interesting too how I often will, I've probably sent a few people your way, I think, from people who come to me and I know that I don't have the bandwidth yeah. or, you know, they're wanting a site built as well and that's not a service I can offer, but I know that you and Owen with the apartment can, so I'll often send them your way. So I, I think just being friendly with the freelance community in general mm-hmm. is 
going to be a great way to find, you know, get clients coming to you because like you said, people will refer. And the thing with freelancing too is you're not like, you could see it as you're competing with everyone around you, but you're not really because everyone's got their own specialty, right? Yes, exactly. I, I don't see it as a competition at all. And I've also had it where I've had other designers come to me asking for my design expertise. So I think quite often we sort of assume, you know, oh, other designers, you know, they're totally capable of doing everything themselves because they're a designer. But I think it's also important to remember that everyone is a different type of designer. And so, you know, person A might be a web designer, person B might be a hand letterer, etc. And so I have seen designers offer their services to one another within sort of the design community that I'm a part of. And I think that's really cool too because I think it's it's awesome that we can all help each other out in the different areas that we're good at. And also working with other designers is fun, right? You can collaborate on something yeah. and each bring your different skills to it. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome because they like get it, you know, and so they, yeah. they're like totally on board and they also obviously have a design eye, so they provide really good critique as well. So you said before that a lot of the referrals you've gotten haven't turned into projects that you've worked on. I would be interested to know how often do you say no to projects? So not just referrals, but just in general from all the inquiries that come in. Yeah, so I guess I should yeah make it clear that those referrals that don't turn into work are mostly because I decline them, not because it doesn't work out. So... I say no to probably the majority of requests I get in, which may sound crazy to people because I think a lot of designers, especially early on in their freelancing career, are just like saying yes to everything. And I, I, I admit I did used to say yes to everything. And there is actually proof of that online because I still have my old portfolio up and that has like every different type of like design work <laughs> And if people want to have a look at that and then compare that to my current portfolio, that could be uh, that could be interesting for people. Uh, so I'll leave a link to my original portfolio in the show notes. But it definitely was difficult to get into the mindset of saying no because you kind of are in that position of, you know, you want to try new things and you want to take on all the projects that come your way. But for me, saying no is... I mean, first of all, maybe I don't have the time or the resource or maybe it's like out of my scope, but also maybe they're not the type of client that I want to work with or maybe the project isn't something that I would want to have in my portfolio. And that kind of comes down to my niche and my positioning and the type of work that I want to be putting out. And for me, I'm quite careful about the type of projects that I take on because I'm aware that whatever work I put out is going to attract more of that type of work so because I want to do more sort of web and digital projects that's what I'm focusing on right now and that's the type of work that I'm putting on my portfolio because I know that that's going to attract more of that work like someone who needs screen printing or something isn't going to come to my portfolio see that I do digital stuff and then inquire about screen printing because that just doesn't align and doesn't make sense. I was thinking before we decided we'd do this episode, I was thinking that, you know, oh, I don't know if this really applies to me because I don't do much freelance work. But then when I was thinking about it, I realized that I don't do much freelance work because I say no to pretty much everything that comes in my inbox. And 
yeah, so that that's part of doing freelance work is saying no, right? And I think I've been not getting the right, you know, clients coming to me because I haven't been, you know, refining and making it clear the type of work that I want to do. That's that's on me. That's not what I've been doing. So of course I'm getting these requests from people who see, oh, this is a designer talking about design on YouTube. So we've got a design project. Our budget is two hundred dollars. Let's ask her to design this website. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. That's the sort of things I've been getting through a lot of the time. So I obviously say no to that. But hopefully when I start refining my work a bit more and uh, what's the word? Curating what I put out there, I, I hopefully I will get the right clients coming through. Yeah, there's a good saying that goes, you say no so that you can say yes to something else. And I think that sums it up perfectly in that, you know, saying no to a client that has a $100 budget, let's say, is opening the door for you to say yes to the next thing that comes along where there's, you know, a much higher budget. And the way to look at that is you might spend like a month working on that $100 thing. So by the time the second one comes along, you can't do it because you've already committed to the first one. So I think looking at it from a little bit more of a long-term mindset or like looking into the future a bit more can really help when it comes to saying no as well. Yeah, it's about having confidence in yourself, right? And mm-hmm. just keeping in mind what you want to be doing and noticing when a brief doesn't fit with that. What are some of the red flags that you find, you know, when these emails come in that you say no to? Because some I'm sure, like, you know, perfectly civil, you get quite far down the track and realise that it's not going to work out, so you shouldn't work together on this thing. But others I'm sure you, you know, are red flags straight away. Yeah, so the first obvious red flag is someone that doesn't have any budget. When a client inquires to work with me, I have a questionnaire. So it has a few questions in it that asks them basically to define their brief, like what is it that you need? Uh, What is it that your business is struggling with right now? You know, just defining questions of trying to get down to the bottom of what their goals are and what they really need from the project. And so red flags can definitely come up in the responses of those. So if if someone just replies saying, I need website, like <laughs> that to me is already a red flag. Or if someone's goal is something like be more popular online or something, you know, that also is a red flag for me. And that might not necessarily be a red flag for somebody else, but it is for me because they're not the type of client that I would like to work with. That's a quick point here is that freelancing is quite personal. You know, you are working for yourself as like an individual or, you know, a small studio or whatever. So you can you can say no to things that other people might say yes to and you can say yes to other things that people might say no to. That's that's fine. Something that is always a red flag for me is often when a client, well, a potential client will mention a budget in the first email before even really getting into what they're doing because yes. – For me, I'm the one who sets the price. I'm telling you how much this is going to cost. You're not telling me how much it's going to cost because you're not the professional here. You don't know what's involved. And sometimes, you know, you can see that perhaps the client is just trying to be helpful in telling you their budget. You know, you can see that they've got good intentions. So I will progress further with that. But sometimes people are like, you know, I've got this much money and I want this. And I'm like, well, okay, cool. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like you go to a doctor appointment and then say, 
So I've got about fifteen dollars. Uh, so that's kind of my budget for this appointment. You know, it just doesn't work that <laughs> Give way. Give me as much doctoring as you can for fifteen dollars. Yeah, yeah. Life does not work that way, unfortunately. But I think if for some reason in like design clients assume it does because they'll come with a price and expect you to jump for it and I think that's something that we as like a design community need to work together to you know teach people outside of our industry that it doesn't work that way or or at least stand up for ourselves and and I think respect ourselves in that we are a professional and we are a service and that service costs money and based on your level of expertise, this is how much it costs, like just like any other industry, right? Yeah, definitely. So when I'm discussing with a potential client, there's a few things that I'm really looking for and that's mostly around sort of their goals for the project and trying to get a sense of their values as well. And so if they don't quite align with those or if they don't really have a clear goal or they don't really know and they're just sort of like, I don't care, I just need this thing, then for me that is a red flag. Even though they might have a clearly defined quote-unquote brief of like, you know, here's all the assets and here's like our branding guidelines, etc. If they don't have sort of a goal in mind, then that for me is a red flag just because it's not the type of work that I want to take on because I really want to do projects that have a little bit more meaning and a bit more value and that I can help them achieve something whether that's increase sales on their site or increase visitors or something like that so for me I I'm really looking for those more kind of business orientated projects so anything that doesn't kind of align with that is yeah probably not something that I'm going to take on. I can see why you wouldn't want to take that on as well because I feel like you know, whether they realize it or not, everyone does have a goal. Mm. But if these people can't think of that and articulate it from the beginning, it means that it's probably going to come up, you know, when it's in the revision stage and they're going to be like, oh, no, this doesn't work at all for what we need to do. Yeah. And that's going to be really frustrating because they didn't tell you that at the start. So I can definitely see why you'd want to say no to those type of projects. So seeing as you say no to basically or almost any request that sort of comes your way, what are you looking for then in a client that you want to work with? What kind of project or client would have to get in touch with you for you to say yes to? Oh, interesting. Okay, so I wouldn't, even though I'm trying to aim for more, you know, music-related freelance work, that's, you know, I am not. wouldn't say only that. It's more like the attitude of bands and musicians and things. that That's why I want to work with them. So I would, I would love to work with really creative people or brands who – you know, are trying to do something different and individual. Mm-hmm. I would look for someone who, like you, uh, has goals in mind and, you know, there's, there's something in particular that they want to achieve. And also I would hope that, you know, a dream client for me would want to work with me. You know, they're not just reaching out to any designers within this niche or whatever. I would hope that from, you know, me building oh, up my yeah. profile online, they wanted to work with me in particular. I think that would make for a really good relationship. So that would, that would be the goal. And, you know, the type of project I'm not so, you know, caught up on. It could be a website. It could be graphics. could be lettering. I'm happy to do all of those things because I enjoy doing all of those things. And I know that technically I should probably refine exactly what I'm offering a bit more. But I think all of those come into my passions. So I, I don't want to 
you know, rule rule them out just yet. But yeah, a client with goals who is creative and wants to work with me would be really good. Yeah, I've definitely had it where I get those quite obvious sort of spam emails. Like they're not saying my name, they're just like, hi, I come to you with design proposal or whatever. And clearly they're just like sending that out to quite a few people. Yeah. So I think having them come to you personally is means a lot more as well and quite often especially when I started freelancing the original projects I got were from people that I already knew obviously and then from there it's sort of expanded throughout their networks as well so it's like I've been referred to within my sort of like community of people that I know so that's quite cool as well. Yeah I think I'd really like to do projects for clients that I can relate to as well that perhaps have similar passions to me so like with music or whatever but recently I did a a project designing a piece of merch for a well-known YouTuber and even though I didn't know that YouTuber very well and you know I didn't watch their videos I could relate to their problem I suppose you know and I understood what the YouTube audience was like and Mm -hmm. you know I could understand who his fans were and who would be buying this merch so it was really cool to get into that you know headspace and design something that I knew these people would really love and it went down well so that was really fun. Well I'm sure that that also played a role in why they chose to work with you in the end because you have experience in YouTube for lack of better words. Yeah maybe I didn't think about that but maybe. (laughs) So what about some more, what are some more ingredients for your dream client femme? I think someone that obviously has goals for the project, but also someone that Mm. values design. And I think the type of requests that I get that I usually do end up taking on or the sort of serious requests that I get are obviously from people that do value design. Otherwise they probably wouldn't have come to me in the first place. They probably thought they just could have done it themselves in WordPress or something. So I think someone that values design and values design for more than just the visual aesthetic as well because there's definitely more to it than just that you know there's like hierarchy and placement and order of things and calls to action and you know it ties into a lot of marketing as well especially I'm talking about this from like a website point of view because that's what I do a lot of Uh, so someone that kind of understands the influence that design can have on business as well is quite important to me. Yeah, definitely. I think I will add that ingredient to my dream client list as well. (laughs) (laughs) So to wrap up, any last pieces of advice from you, Femme, especially for people who perhaps aren't attracting clients right now or aren't even freelancing right now but are wanting to get into doing more of it the right way, what do you recommend they start with? It's really important to show the value of design and that can look different for each person but If you're not quite attracting the type of clients you want to be or if you're not getting any freelance projects at the moment and you haven't had any before, then showing the value that comes with your design work is a really good way to get started in trying to attract the right clients. And so that could be doing a personal project and maybe not just putting the work out but also talking about it maybe you could set up a blog for it and blog about the whole experience show work in progress not just the finished result you know really show and communicate to people that whole process and all the value that comes into the design work that you've done I hope that's a good piece of advice (laughs) 
that is definitely a good piece of advice and that is something that I'm for sure going to take take on under my wing or whatever the saying is and try and apply that to help attract me the right type of clients. I'm just going to do a little plug here. If people want to read a bit more about attracting the right kind of clients, I've written quite a long blog post about this on my blog, which we'll link to in the show notes. So you can go and read that as well if you want a bit more information on, or at least a bit more advice on how to attract the right clients. And I can definitely recommend reading that. It was a good read. I think that about sums it up for this episode. Thank you to everybody who's listening and we'd love to hear your stories as well. If you have tried switching from finding clients to attracting clients, we'd be really interested to hear and how that experience went for you. Yeah, and also hear how you attracted them as well, like what you think you were doing that made them come your way because I think that we could all learn from that. So give us a tweet and we can retweet it and share it with our audience. Where can people go to find us online, Charlie? Head to designlife.fm and there you'll find all of our episodes and show notes as well as links to both Fem and I's Twitter profiles, you know, to chat with us directly if you wish. And you can also chat with us as a podcast on Twitter at designlife.fm. You can also leave us a rating on iTunes. We really love ratings and reviews as it really helps us get the podcast out there a bit more. And thank you to everybody who has left a review in the past. I just want to read out this one left by Matt Candler. And he says, I'm not a typical podcast listener, but I stumbled across this on a product site. I'm already hooked. What really makes the difference than a lot of other design conversations or advice out there is that both of these women still haven't made it. It's fun listening to their dynamic as they work through their own projects and discuss things that matter to developing designers. Too much of the other stuff out there is dull retrospective thinking. Please keep it going. Thank you, Matt, for leaving that review. And I think it's interesting that he enjoys the perspective of hearing from us as designers who haven't made it yet. And I see that as a compliment because I think it's awesome that we're sort of sharing our experience and our journey along the way on this podcast. And that really is what it, what it is about. Would you agree, Charlie? Definitely. That's why we started it, because we too felt like we we're hearing a lot from, you know, professionals who've been in the industry for years and years. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they've forgotten how hard it was when it was starting out and when you're still in design school, whereas Fem and I are still pretty close to that. So I'm glad that you're enjoying that, Matt, and anyone else who's enjoying that. So next week, we're going to be talking about waking up early, which I think is going to be quite an interesting episode, as a lot of people seem to think we're crazy for getting up so early. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Fem and I both get up, you know, a few hours before our day jobs start to get in a few hours of side project work done before we have to get started with the day. So that should be interesting to talk about because it's not something that everybody does. Nope. I'm looking forward to it. Talk next week, Charlie. Bye, Fem. Bye. Bye.